Hello, and welcome to the final episode of After the Curtain Call for 2019. On this episode, we're talking to actor, writer, director, film and theatre extraordinaire, Brendan Kelly. Uh, we talked about some short films and also some feature films that he's been in, uh, as well as theatre. And he has also uh, got some awesome advice on how to get started in the entertainment industry, uh, if that's what you want to do or if that's what you're interested in. So let's get to it. The final episode for this year. Thanks for listening, or at least having it on in the background while you're doing something else. It is greatly appreciated. But anyway, here it is, this week's episode with Brendan Kelly. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Good. What, if anything, which I'm sure you have been working on something, Surely. Um, what exactly have you been doing in recent times? Recent times? Uh, I'm going to say, let's just say that covers like maybe the last year. Sure. I have been working um, in, in theatre and in film a lot. I've made um, for myself with my um, little company three films this year. Um, and then sort of took a break from that and have done two, two theatre pieces, well, one and then working towards another one early next year called Danny Champion of the World. Okay. Um, and uh, the one uh, we did in the middle of the year was called um, Woman in Black, which is sort of a famous uh, play in, um, on the West End in London. Um, so right. Big tourist attraction. We did it here in Canberra, which is really exciting. What did you play in that? Um, I was um, kind of complicated. It's a ghost play, um, and, and there's sort of two guys recreating a ghost story that actually happened, and so I end up playing the guy who's actually telling the story um, as his younger version. Um, Inception. Inception. I tried to explain that to <laughs> a lot of people while we were like, advertising for it, and I couldn't do it any better than that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and um, it was sort of set... Uh, in another time period and uh, ghost stories are just fun anyway to, to do so I really enjoyed that um, and the full-length play with only two people in it is um, obviously a lot of work for the actors I see mm. what about the third person there's definitely three um, or at least no, two and a half I, there was only two people I don't know if you did, did you see a third no. person no neither did I oh okay yeah no there was of course there was you know the, the, the ghost <laughs> um, Sorry, we loved jokes like that when we were making the play. Uh, <laughs> um, and all dressed up in a, a makeup and costume, um, the uh, actress Catherine Berry was very scary as the ghost. Hey, Brendan. Yeah, Morgan. Why did you get started in um, film and theatre? Or rather, which came first? How did you find that passion? Um, theatre came first. Okay. Um, like, I think probably the, st uh, the start with a lot of people who do this kind of thing um, is in high school. How, um, was it, how was your start? Where did you begin? Um, I never did drama or theatre in high school um, and that was because it was on at the same on the same line or on at the same time that geography was on and I would much rather do geography than than drama. <laughs> I 
as silly as it sounds. No, it's fair enough. I was almost doing German because I thought, no, that's more useful right. than drama. And I did about two weeks of German. I'm like, I can't, I can't oh. with this language anymore. I have to go to drama. Why not? Oh, it's a beautiful language, no doubt. But um, <laughs> honestly, I think it was just the call of um, the, the dressing up and playing cowboys okay. that was right. really alluring. Um, so you know, I was I did well in that class, I think, because um, half the class would have been thinking it was a bit of a oh, this is the you know a, a bludging period. But um, I actually wanted to do well, and I had a bit of bit more confidence than other students, um, which right. made me feel like I was doing well at it. Yeah, um, and then obviously that love just kept going on and on um, into uh, after school studies, and then uh, the, the Carter program and all the adult programs through there, and then. Um, yeah, then it was decision made. I wanted to sort of pursue it as a career. Right. In that case, how did you get started in film? How did it roll over from theatre into film? Uh, then I was pursuing theatre outside of any sort of schooling environment to do amateur theatre, and um, my acting program uh, had to be delayed six months because they hadn't had their accreditation. So I'm like, I need to go study something else right now. Right. And uh, the only thing I could really find around town that was professional. Um, sort of training was uh, filmmaking, uh, media studies at uh, CIT and UC. Right. Mm. Um, from there, uh, the tutors, I think, might have, um, as many of the other students were just filmmakers. They started using me in their films because, you know, we, we all help each other out on each other's films and yep. I had some acting background. Um, and then the tutors there saw that in me as well and decided, um, you know, he fits this... Um, this role that we're writing for a Tropfest film and oh. took me in there. And I think that Tropfest film, while it didn't get in Trop Tropfest, um, it got seen quite a few places in Canberra and I think that was really my entrance to the film world. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I don't know how you'll feel about me asking this, or rather stating this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Um, because a lot of people, and I think that you're a very humble person, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Okay. Um, you're you are an award-winning actor, award-winning writer, and I'm pretty sure an award-winning director. Am I right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Have you won awards for anything else? Um, nothing worth mentioning. I don't think. <laughs> no. Uh, I uh, I don't think I've won awards as an actor in film. That that been more for theatre. I, I, Why is that? I, I don't know. I just haven't put in my, uh, too much, enough work in, I suppose. Um, that's a pretty good effort. Congrats on that. Well done. Um, congrats on all previous awards and future ones as well, which I'm sure there'll be. No, believe in yourself, Brendan. Yes, no, you're right. Well, what you've said is factual. Yes, I'm an award-winning uh, director and screenwriter. And um, those, those sort of the most amount of awards for, have been really for one project, okay. um, which was which was great and really unexpected actually. Um, but it was one of those times I think that the whole magical team comes together. What was that one? Dying art. Yeah. You wrote that. I wrote that um, and directed it and produced it and um, was one of the actors in it as well. So. Triple threat. Yeah, um, was very much my baby I suppose but then sort of um, it becomes everyone's once you've got the people on board for it um, and we had like it's, I feel like almost any time I've gotten an accolade for a film um, which wasn't just for dying art it's um, I've had this guy on it called um, Luke Patterson who was this amazing um, 
cinematographer from from UC, and we became friends during Carter because um, his dad sort of worked in the building, and he said, "Let's do some things together." And every time, I think we just gelled very well. So we kept wanting to work together, um, and every time I brought a project to him, he was um, very sort of gun gun ho and said, "Yeah, okay, good." And we'd finish that and go, "Okay, so what are we doing?" next yeah. it's very encouraging um and he's just got a an amazing eye like i can't um understate how amazing his eye is at, at um cinematography and things like that like he's he's a few other films have won awards over the years and they've had him right at the heart of the project um yeah and he was on dying art and made it look beautiful and fixed all these problems that we that we had that needed fixing there was one that you were in, and I'm not sure if you had anything to do with post-production or pre-production or on the crew or whatever, but I think that it's possibly only one one of two films that I think I've seen you in. I can't remember the name. Punctured. That's what it is. Did that win anything? Um, it it didn't. But um, but I I will say. It is probably one that gets brought up a lot. Why? I don't know. I, I think it was really, I should know, um, but I think it was entertaining in a way that, not to toot my horn here or anything like that, uh, but it was entertaining in a way that we don't have all the time here. It was kind of a darker a dark light comedy in a way a dark light comedy yeah and, and kind of just unexpected because once again like the the humor that i like the most is when it's the situation that's really more ridiculous than um than sort of the, the characters going oh wow this is ridiculous um they're taking it completely seriously i just get stabbed a lot in it yeah yeah um who wrote that i did okay yeah i wrote that and it was it was just meant to be kind of a um an observation about us putting people in certain uh, roles in our heads, like in certain pigeonholes. Um, just for context, it's about the um, a, a burglar that breaks into someone's house, but she's actually sort of like runway model-esque, like just really, really pretty and doesn't look like she should be breaking into houses. So the guy not being able to um, sort those two things out in his head decides he needs to save her when actually she's just a really dangerous criminal and he shouldn't go near her but he keeps going back to her and gets stabbed again and again and again and then and then the doctor is very amusing as well played by uh nick Stian. yes um, yeah and uh, so yeah anyway um going back i i it didn't win anything and you know kind of um in a way you know, fair enough. There were some other uh, great films made that year and in the festivals I put them into. Uh, but it, when I'm talking to people about film, they bring up Punctured quite often. Interesting. I think it was just kind of amusing. Did you like it? I did, yes. Um, except, <laughs> yes, I, I did like it, but there's one part that I did not like. And I voiced my opinion to um, James Robinson and Matthew Ong, who... I believe worked on this film. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't like how the guy is stabbed a third time. Okay. I think it should have been something different to shatter the expectations. Cause, cause you knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I was just like, I don't like this. I mean, up until that point, I was like really into it, and I was like, yeah, this is such a good film. I mean, 
it's a great film overall. It's just like for that five seconds where the guy's getting stabbed for a third time, I'm like, nah. That's interesting. Okay, cool. What, what would um, what would be another resolution? I don't know. Maybe get shot with a bow and arrow. <laughs> it's just a different weapon. Arrow to the knee. <laughs> she takes the knife out, drops it, and then she's got like a, I don't know, like a launcher or something like that. A flamethrower. Flamethrower. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I wish you'd been on that. <laughs> Give me a second opinion on the on the script. <laughs> no, it's a good film though. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm going to take note of that. <laughs> Next, Next film you're in, there's going to be a flamethrower somewhere in the okay, background. We just, we just reshoot, punctured uh, with that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of these were, were supposed to come from sketch comedy because that's what I started off wanting to be doing. Right. For, for one thing, um, uh, film in Canberra, like there's so many uh, really... Um, uh, ambitious things that we all want to do and we write these great stories and like there's a lot of creativity around and everything but then at the moment or at least over the last um, few years that I've been in, in filming Canberra is um, we don't have the resources to actually make these things so I wanted to um, make something that was great from something very simple because um, right. yeah to just start from there and sketches there's sort of nothing more simple than that potentially because you can you can have one location and one thing happening and focus on one moment only has to go for a minute maybe two minutes and that's achievable you can shoot that in an afternoon it doesn't drag on anyone's time too much um, and then so most of the early films including dying art were all supposed to just be sketches but they kind of evolved a bit more before we got them up to shoot which was which was exciting and I think so in a way it was almost just accidental that I was now a filmmaker or so-called. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what a bad thing to fall into. Yeah. Darn it. No, but it can be hard sometimes in film and in acting, especially in film. It can be stressful. Yeah. Well, yes. Pros and cons to all the processes of making something from the ground up. I guess every job can be stressful. Yeah, every job in the world. It's kind of kind of hard. Unless you were the queen. Well, I mean, maybe, you know, she could... I think... <laughs> to get a little deep here, I think us <laughs> as, as people <laughs> find the hard things in our jobs. If that makes sense. Like, if you're doing the one job all the time, like you're the queen, for example, mm. she would all she would know all the aspects of that job, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and then she might choose to focus on just the, oh, I have to go to the fifth royal, well, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a great analogy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like analogies. Um, other than short film and theatre, Brendan, you've also been in... Uh, three feature films. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah. Blue World Order, The Furies, and um, um, the, the Declan Shrub one. That's right, yeah. The long-titled Me zombie. and My Mates yeah. versus the Zombie Apocalypse. That was my first one. And how, how did you... How? How? <laughs> How? How? Yeah. Mm. 
Interesting question. I, li I like your I like your question. Um, how did I get into the? Yeah. Panel? Um, well, that's really like I'd love to say um, it's because of my amazing talent and how well known I am in town and things like that. But that definitely wasn't the case. However, I was at college with Declan Shrub just a couple of years before he made the film, so we knew each other uh, quite well. Um, however, they had this really cool. Um, uh, Kickstarter program going on to, to get additional funding onto the film and it was if you fund us you will be a zombie in the film right. um, and at the at the time I had a little bit of uh, extra funds and I wanted to do a feature film and I wanted to see sort of the inside of it so I gave them enough to be quite well featured in the film and I think the fact that I knew Declan meant I, I got a particular because if you if you give them a certain paying your way yeah I paid my way um, and I'm unashamed you know it was <laughs> it, it was beneficial to everyone involved I got to ha I got to do what I wanted and it was really really cool because um I think if you paid over a certain amount you got to get killed in the film as well which is what I did and I got which is great yeah um wait how do zombies die how do zombies die in that particular zombie movie yeah well I haven't seen it you haven't no well. I have. I guess I'll have to watch it and. But, but you've seen zombie films? No. Okay. Well, usually it's about cutting the head off or destroying the brain, and I think in this zombie film it's no different, um, because okay. you know it's generally in a zombie film you shoot them a bunch in the chest or the, in, the, in the torso, and they won't go down, which is what's so terrifying about them. But then you shoot their head, and they're, they're easy, easy prey. Anyway, you ask how they died in that film. I believe I got. Stabbed in the eye with a screwdriver, um, hence hence my character's title is Screwdriver Zombie, I think, in the credits. Um, and I, then I get I hit hit with a book first, uh, screwdriver in the eye, uh, my throat gets stomped, and then uh, they blow my head off. Oh, great! Yeah, and I, now I I could be wrong, but I thought that's a pretty decent death scene to, for your first feature film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was really cool because along with that, they sent me up to Melbourne um, with the flight paid for to do this full body cast with oh. the effects people, uh, Sharp FX. Um, and so I was in their work. I was in Melbourne for the day and I saw their workshop and it was just chock full of like, you felt like you were in a Lord of the Rings film. But then there's like, uh, like a, a big tarantula over there in that corner. Um, Sort of the big monster a that you've never seen over there. Yeah, probably. Okay, I was just like, there's just a giant tarantula. No, no, sorry, no. It wasn't that they were really uncleanly. Um, <laughs> no, they had made one um, that was terrifying me to no end. But uh, yeah, and, and then I, I did the full body cast thing, which is a whole process. Um, like they, they like plaster or yeah, okay. Yeah, plaster. So lying still for about an hour in sort of whatever position you need to for that particular character and then they do your head which is extremely terrifying yeah you seen them do that yeah you're lost to the world you got a whole brick wall yeah. just yuck yeah gross as well um, so yeah but that was really cool so I definitely got I think paying my way in quite worth it I think for that experience um, other than me and my mates in the zombie apocalypse um, the Furies what were you in that? I was uh, a control room operator. Um, now, I'm not completely sure what my function is, but I did, I did see a capture of me in the trailer, so I'm sure I'm allowed to talk about it. I'm just sitting in front of, like, 16 screens, 
and and from what I know about the film is that there's eight people fighting for their lives, eight women fighting for their lives, and eight killers. So I'm I'm guessing just from math that um, I'm probably looking at like a feed from each of those people to sort of see what's going on out so there. So you shot the scene knowing not exactly what you were doing? Yes, I didn't totally know what was going on. But I got a quick brief. Um, obviously on set they told me what to do and um, then sort of I, I left. Look at the screens and look angry. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, I don't think I actually, I don't think I actually appear, um, my face appears in the, in the film, which is completely fine. But, um, but what was that set like? Um, it was big. I mean, can you talk about it? Sure I can. I'm sure I can now the film's out and I don't think I... Yeah, I'm sure I can. Um, it was filmed at a CIT location in Woden, where they've got, they, they do most of the um, musician stuff there. Um, performances and stuff for the musical, uh, music students. Um, so it's a huge room and they set up the wall. And they set up the screens, and they set up my desk and the chair, and then they took a really wide shot back. So I think most of what I am is this huge-looking room, um, which doesn't look like a stage in a sort of CIT location. So was that like a second unit sort of thing, or was it... I don't know. Um, the, no, I, they had the full crew? I think it was a first unit thing, um, just getting towards the end of, of principal photography, I think, because um, the director was there, um, okay. Tony was there, um, and sort of, yeah, most of the crew had been working on it for, for all that time was there. I can't say for absolute certain it wasn't the second unit, but... Um, I'm just asking because I've heard from other people who worked on it that it was shot out at... By one? Yeah. I'm pretty sure most of it takes place out in the bush. Like, just probably mine didn't because it wouldn't make sense to set up 16 screens out in the bush. Um, I guess not. No. No power outlets. No. No, it's true. It's, the bush is notorious for not having anywhere to plug in um, <laughs> screens. But, they, but the other thing I really kind of uh, liked slash didn't like about that was that they were all green screens. So they were all like, the, the, the screens I was looking at were just green and I was looking at them with some kind of interest. Ah, oh, yes. That's a nice shade of green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one's slightly different shade of green. How fascinating. Uh, oh, and I had a lot of controls to work with as well, which is fun. Some of them weren't there, so it was all... Oh. Okay. Was it a lot of improv, or did they tell you exactly what to do? Um, a bit of both. They gave me the, the gist, like, do, do some control work, and then I would just do some stuff, and no one would tell me not to do that particular move, so I'd do that and turn this knob that didn't exist. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it when I get the chance to see what they actually did with that. But a friend of mine on that, like it's it's doing really well now. I think they're getting all these awards uh, for different things. I think they got the best kill or the best the best death award in some um, Monster Fest film festival. Yeah, um, and that, that was actually for a friend of mine, um, Caitlin Boyer. She had her face sliced off. It looks cool. It's one part of the film I have seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's gory. It's um. You know, Australia's always been quite keen on their gory horrors, I think. Um, and what was the other one? Blue World Order, yeah. 
That's a real quick story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was not part of any of the first um, sort of um, production of it. I was in a pickup, and I'm not actually seen in the film at all. But I do see the frame that I was standing next to when they shot it. So. Oh, well, how did that work? Um, well, I was, you know, I was a pickup, and I was, I was an extra in the pickups, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was the character in the scene was the one played by um, Billy Zane, uh, but it was it was a stand-in as well. Um, that's pretty mm. it. That's pretty much it. Um, except I was sitting in the green room with Stephen Hunter, and I thought that was amazingly cool. Um, so that was my claim for fame on that. And once again, it was just worth it to be there on a set and to watch professionals work on a, on a big film, on a big yeah. project. We don't always get to do that here in Canberra. It's increasing a bit, but um, it's increasing and we like that. Um, and you do get, end up getting to sit in a room with Stephen Hunter for a little while, um, not saying anything to him. That's, that's basically heaven, right? Oh, well, I'll see him on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. When, I, when we're in sort of some sort of buddy cop film together, then I'll probably get to talk to him a bit more. Can't wait for that one. Yeah, me neither. Do you have any advice for anyone who might be interested in doing this kind of thing? Either who might be, I don't know, uh, a teen who's just about to finish high school and they're trying to figure out what they want to do, or maybe someone who's older who might be interested in film or theatre and uh, is looking for ways to get into it. Um, do you have any advice for people who want to, I guess, get started or want to get involved in these kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's probably a little bit of an old cliche, but... Um, we love a good cliche on this show. Yeah, great. Oh, i got plenty of those. Um, but it would be to um, jump on board something, anything, like um, find out you know, the local community boards and like all these different Facebook groups, when auditions are, um, when sort of what um, film people might need and jump on board as those things like sometimes people might just need a boom swinger on a, on a student film set and you get on board that um, not saying that's the easiest job in the world or anything but something where you can get on board meet the people who are making films or doing theatre and um, do a process with them do a project with them and you'll meet them and then They'll go, let's go, you come do the next project, and then you meet pe people there, um, and you get better on each experience. Um, but it's entirely about relationships um, in Canberra. I can really only speak for Canberra, but it's really about relationships. And if you're easy to work with and um, are obviously passionate about this stuff, people will want to keep working with you. And yeah, hmm. on, on and on you go to anywhere you want to go. And then you want to be a filmmaker yourself. You've met all these people on different films who now know that you're interested in that stuff and you can put together your own team if you sort of have the inclination to and the story, the passion. That would be my main advice. Also, if you're having any confidence problems, it's a good idea to go get some acting classes at Perform Australia. Okay. <laughs> got to get that promo in there, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> Got it in there. I gotta say, Brendan, I think Perform Australia has been mentioned almost every episode of this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have they all been from Perform Australia? No. In some capacity? No. No. Oh. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one left out. That would have been awkward. I honestly think the only person 
to have not mentioned Perform Australia might be James Robinson. Every okay. other episode mentions the school. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet. Hmm. Um, and even he's had stuff to do with Perform Australia. Um, I've, he's been there from time to time helping me film a project. Um, yes. Because, you know, obviously that's a resource for us. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier a little bit um, about how filmmaking can be kind of difficult and a bit stressful sometimes, as can acting be and really any kind of job. But um, why why do you keep pursuing the arts if indeed Great it question. can be uh, difficult? It's, yes, absolutely, it's difficult, as you say, like any job can be, and there's always a reason why people keep persisting with that, um, especially with a job like this where there are so many people who are doing it and so little sort of financial reward these days, especially after the very recent uh, political decision, <laughs> which is, <laughs> what do we need a soul for anyway? Um, but. Yeah, um, you, you need something else. I think when I was younger, like much younger, and thinking like a young person might, um, there was a time where I was going to be very rich and famous. That was going to be the goal. Um, I was going to be, uh, you know, very like Heath Ledger big. But um, very quickly you find out that's not going to sustain you in this kind of work, and you actually have to have a passion for doing it. You have to have something else that. Um, drags you to to it and um, a lot of what keeps me going now is that I think sort of like um, an artist painting a picture is they, they might do it because they have to because like they feel it inside that they need to get some kind of story out or um, you know just just a thought that's that's rattling their head that needs to be explored and this is my way of doing it like um, filmmaking I think is something I'm gonna keep doing forever um, because of that, and because of the relationships, I have sort of most of my friends now are sort of in some capacity filmmakers or at least um, storytellers. What exactly do you mean by storytellers? Um, well, they, they there's tell all these, stories. All these different. Yeah. <laughs> what you, did you never get read as a child the stories? <laughs> no, um, yeah, you know. Artists, they tell stories, like I say the painter again, you know, they tell a story with their canvas, we tell stories with film, tell stories over and over again with, with theatre and, and, and new stories and new things need to be explored, all these new, um, this brave new world we're trying to make with um, sort of understanding and tolerance of, of everything needs stories to sort of push those things forward. Um, and so, yeah, people use stories to help explain something to themselves and to let a certain point of view be heard on a, on a much bigger scale. Yeah, I think that's why I will continue to do it and uh, that's why it will. everyone will continue to need this kind of thing. Good answer. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. That You're was welcome. <laughs> um, shocking to myself as well. Hey Brendan, mm -hmm. what's your favorite film? What's my favorite film? Yeah. Oh god, I have a couple. I have a lot of favorite films. A favorite film that I think I answer on impulse when someone asks that is As Good as It Gets. Do you know that one? I've 
heard of it. Who's in it? It is Jack Nicholson. Ah, uh, yes, I know the one, yes. Helen Hunt. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've seen it, but I do know it, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it's an old one. I, I tend to like older films just before we really ventured into the CGI um, okay. cascade that we have. I mean, like, the reason I like a lot of films is because they have different elements that I really love. So I have a few favourite films, even though you're not supposed to do that, you're supposed to have one. Um, like uh, Indiana Jones franchise. <gasps> I love Indiana Jones. The reason I became an actor, really. Really? Is, yeah, I didn't mention that earlier, but that's uh, Harrison Ford's role in, as Indiana Jones and then seeing him as Han Solo, because I was going to be an archaeologist first. Uh, see, now this is why I really wanted to do geography, going back to the... Really? Yeah. Oh, what an influence those films were yeah. on us. Um, but then I realised that in Star Wars, he was another dude. <laughs> I went, hold on. He can be anybody because he's an actor. Yeah. And we can, we can be anybody <laughs> hmm. to an extent. Um, so there's, there's that and then there's sort of uh, more contemporary movies sort of that, uh, you know, we all, we all very much bow down to Stephen, uh, to Edgar Wright, not Stephen Wright. Edgar mm. Wright um, because, of, like, I think it was, it was an aberrant different way of telling stories that he had. Um, that was something new. So really starting to new, like the new stuff because it's not something we haven't seen before. And uh, um, I just saw Hunt for the Wilder People okay. by Taika Waititi. Yeah. And that, I think, might be quickly becoming my favourite movie. Have a new favourite movie every week. That's my advice. Have a new favourite movie every week. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Great question. What's your favorite Indiana Jones? Wait, before that, before you answer. Yep. All right. What Hold are your on. thoughts on the Crystal Skull? What's the Crystal Skull? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, I see what they were trying to do there. Um, <laughs> That's the answer I thought I was going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one? The first one or the second one? <laughs> what did you think of it? Um. Originally, I didn't particularly think that it was in line with Indiana Jones, but... It is kind of the most supernatural... Uh, but did you know this, Brendan? Yeah. Fun fact. Mm. Um, recently, I don't know how recently, maybe like within the past five years, um, the archaeologists have found... Gosh, this is turning into an archaeology podcast That's now. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, archaeologists have found um, a temple in the ancient... Mayan city of Teotihuacan and um, this temple I think is called like the serpent something or other I, I don't know um, but under it they have found a river of liquid mercury which is you Ooh. can only it, it's only man-made right you can only get man-made liquid mercury and uh, because it's under this ancient temple, they're like, well, how did ancient people do this? And so they're like, the only conclusion they can come to is aliens, which I, to some extent, believe that the fourth Indiana Jones is based off of that theory. Mm, a whole river of it. Yeah, That's apparently. Nuts. Okay. Wow. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. So did that make you start liking the movie? Well, yeah. 
Um, I mean, this, that was a documentary that I saw maybe like four or five months ago, and I've seen the Crystal Skull once since seeing this documentary, and and I was like, hmm, oh yeah. And you know how there's that temple, like, at the end when the UFO or whatever it is is, like, coming out of the ground? So there's a temple there, and it looks basically the same as this temple that they were talking about that has the river of liquid mercury under it. Who did you say was the, in reality, the hmm. people, the culture? The Teotihuacans. Right. I couldn't spell it for you, but... No. That's oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. My favourite Indiana Jones film, The Last Crusade, mm. is, um, one might argue, is just as supernatural as that, just in a different way. Mm. They went maybe a little sci-fi with that, with uh, the crystal skull, but... Um, yes. Yeah, but I mean, if I think about it, sort of, um, The Last Crusade's about the Holy Grail, and they get healed by water from a cup. Mm, the Holy Grail. It's not, yeah. Yes, that one, that cup. Um, and that's sort of almost as supernatural, but it's it's just more biblical. It's just sort yeah. of, it's um, laid in a different um, system of belief than extraterrestrial dimensional beings. Hmm. Anyway, it also has Shia LaBeouf, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> True, yeah. yeah. I was very jealous, actually. I was way too young at the time to do that role, but that role should have been mine. Interesting how this has turned into a podcast about archaeology, but you know what? That's fine. But I wonder how many people actually uh, gave up any kind of acting path and decided instead archaeology because of Indiana Jones. And maybe they've discovered a whole lot of other things that we wouldn't have known if they hadn't mm. made those movies. True. Yeah. Join us next year in 2020 when After the Curtain Call turns into <laughs> After the Bedrock. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's a good name. It's really not. If this happens too many more times, you're going to have to do that, you know. <laughs> It'll just be an archaeology podcast. Oh, dear. Um, gee, I don't have any more questions. Do you have anything else to add? Um... No, I mean, I'm sure it's one of those things that I'll, I'll go and go, ah. Should talk about that. All of those things I could have talked about. Um, but I, I, maybe I'll just add that sort of, um, as you were asking a bit earlier, um, things in the future, as I do want to continue as a filmmaker, yeah. and I, I want to maybe start thinking a little more uh, deeply about things. Like recently, we've had um, a few. F- film festivals pop up and uh, one of them that was sort of um, I think the brainchild originally of um, a friend of mine uh, called Sophie um, was a film festival just uh, based on mental health um, which sort of there's a lot of problems in the world obviously and a lot of things going on um, that we're becoming aware of but uh, in Canberra I think a really big one for us is mental health Um, and so while also keeping films you know what they should be for each particular project like if you are are trying to entertain people keep it light keep it um, funny but also we can explore these things in film and I think they're really important to have a platform for so that they can be more understood yeah so uh, that's something that's been playing on my mind a bit and I think in the future I'd like to start exploring some more serious topics like that 
but just maybe not in a way that makes an audience maybe feel like they've just been beaten over the head <laughs> with <laughs> with someone's agenda. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Or yeah. Or just like you need to be aware of this now and do something. So that's maybe a goal. Yeah. If, if I was to end it there, I'd say yeah, it's a future goal for me. I think I might have. Cool. Hmm. Well, and on that note. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening and thanks for coming on this 11 episode journey with me. It has been fun and who knows what might happen. Um, hopefully this will happen again sometime next year. I don't know when, but it will most likely happen. So stick around. And as always, check out our Facebook page at ATCC Podcast and also on Instagram at ATCC Podcast for all your behind the scenes videos and fun stuff like that. I really hope that you've enjoyed listening and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Bye.